Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. Meet you. I'm Jordan nice and you. Anya. Anya. Nice to meet you. How's it going? Going well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Had a good day. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Touch is a fundamental part of human interaction. Even when our communication is mitigated by technology, as it so frequently is nowadays, it's often via some sort of touch screen. But as far as physical interaction with other human beings in the same space. Some people think we're living through a crisis of touch, especially when it comes to older people. In the UK, half a million older people go at least five days a week without coming into contact with anyone at all. But some think that we might be able to use touch-based technologies to help the more vulnerable members of our communities. As the deputy director of UCL's Interaction Centre, Nadia Batuz, puts it, For technology to be truly effective in our social network, it should be able to adapt to the effective needs of each user group, or even each individual. So, can sensory technologies help older people and people in care by enhancing connections between them and their loved ones? I think in the care homes particularly, we found that it was the family members that needed this sort of thing actually it wasn't necessarily the residents that were suffering from dementia it was the family members who wanted reassurance that they still had that connection with their loved ones or in focusing on creating these cool new technologies do we run the risk of distracting from what people really need the human touch you may feel that you are interacting much more closely with the person using these remote systems, but that can create a scenario where you will feel less the need for physically traveling to meet a person and interacting with them. And that can be a bad thing from a social perspective. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this is Chips With Everything. What's this making this noise 
This is a pair of gloves that we've made, uh, a piece called I Want to Hold Your Hand. And they are... In early June, an exhibition at the Bloomsbury Gallery sought to consider the potential of sensory technologies. Visitors to Remote Contact were able to interact with artwork that explores how new technologies can enhance the connection between a person in care and their family and friends. So they measure with pressure sensors, they measure galvanic skin response, and they also measure GPS. So you can actually map a walk where you're holding hands in a number of different sort of dimensions, different data sets. So you can see here... Catherine Baxendale is the creative producer at Invisible Flock, the interactive art studio behind the Remote Contact exhibition. So Phil and Julie are a couple that we uh, worked with in Liverpool. So Phil has dementia and Julie is his uh, main carer. Every day they try and uh, take a walk together in their local park and they hold hands as they have always done as a couple uh, through the park. And as Phil's dementia has uh, increased in severity, he needs a wheelchair to get to the park, but they still make sure that he gets out of his wheelchair and they even take a few, you go a few, few metres uh, holding hands. And we wanted to try and find a way of capturing that, capturing how important that act of holding hands is. Uh, so we did this by creating a pair of gloves for them. So what were the kind of goals of the exhibition? What did you want visitors to get out of it? So we wanted to start a dialogue. We wanted to propose ideas and begin conversations. So everything's interactive in a way that we want people to do things and explore the ideas rather than say, we've got some answers here, have a look at them. We wanted people to think about the questions that we're proposing and uh, explore them themselves and, and discover what their relationship to touch might be. So um, I'm Kerry Jewett, I'm a professor of technology at UCL Knowledge Lab, which is a research unit within the Institute of Education, University College London. And what are your main research interests? At the moment, touch, how the digital remediates or shapes how we touch one another to communicate. Okay, and have you been to see this exhibition, Remote Contact? The exhibition's a collaboration that I have with the artist studio Invisible Flock. So I've been visiting the artists over the last couple of months, watching the exhibits get into shape. Remote Contact, this exhibition, came about because of this collaboration, like you said, this research project In Touch. Can you tell me more about that project? What were its goals? So In Touch, Digital Touch Communication, is a large European Research Commission-funded project which lasts for five years, and I'm the lead with my... I've got a small team that I work with. And the goal of the project in a nutshell, is really to ask what is digital touch? How is the digital changing touch? And how is that going to shape the ways in which we communicate in the next five to ten years? And this, the exhibition explores how digital touch can be used uh, with people with dementia, right? Was that always an element of the research project or did that come in later? I suppose technologies find their place in a way. And touch is really important to our health and well-being. From when we're tiny babies, when we're born, we need to be touched. We need to be touched simply to develop the muscles and develop our hand-eye coordination. 
And through touch, we feel emotions. And that lasts for our whole lives. So touch is, is very key. And the idea of how the digital can come into that space and how it can reconnect us and give us different kinds of touch experience that can both physically heal and emotionally enhance our well-being is, is, a, is a key area for the development of these technologies. Okay, so it kind of looks like a photo album. Oh, except the photos are being projected onto the pages. Okay, choose an object. Each object unlocks a different person's album. Oh, oh, it's changed now. Oh, a birthday cake. And I can place an object in the circle on the table. Okay, so there's objects over here. We've got a fridge magnet of Great Yarmouth. So I'm going to choose that one. So what's the purpose of this kind of photo album, this interactive photo album? So this is the memory album that we developed um, in collaboration with a care home in Liverpool called Greenhaze, um, a community integrated care, care home. And we spent a lot of time talking to mainly carers and family members trying to understand their daily lives. And what came out was that actually in this uh, care home, which is a palliative care care home the the biggest interaction and connection that people had was with their photographs so we wanted to develop a project or a piece of work that kind of brought them together and the idea that you can flick through a physical photograph album but that they're digitally projected so that actually each album can be tailored to each care uh, to each resident um, how does that work how does the physical object change the album so uh, we use uh, RFID tags so it's quite a simple piece of technology actually just embedded underneath the uh, the desktop there the, the top of the desk We've heard that Nadia Bertho said for technology to be truly effective in our social network, it should be able to adapt to the effective needs of each user group or even each individual. So how important is it that research into technology like what you're doing um, is applied to more vulnerable people like those with dementia? Well, I think what's important for any technology is that it needs to understand the social context it's going into because we don't want our technologies to shape our social context. We want our social context to shape the technology. And what's really important to have a social scientist like me working alongside wonderful colleagues at UCL like Nadia Bertus, who work within computer science, that kind of connection in which we can have conversations about what the technology can do and what we need the technology to do is vital. And also, it's so hard for people, just ordinary people, to think and talk about touch. And so what we've had to do quite a lot is think about how to research it, to ask, can a exploratory, artistic research environment that they've created in the exhibition, can that give us a new route into talking and, and observing people's touch experiences? Okay, and um, what would you say you've learned so far? Well, normally a social scientist like me would wait until the technology's out in the wild, till everybody's using it. But I feel with these touch technologies that they really are gonna have a big impact on our world. And we need to understand them in the labs. We need to get in there early with the conceptual design and development and trying to have some impact. During the exhibition, we had some drama students come in 
And that was really exciting to see the ways in which they undermined and subverted the design of the technologies and did very different things that we hadn't anticipated could be done with the different exhibits, dancing around them, wearing the bands on the wrong part of their body. It was, it was great to see because that's what we do with technologies. People design them for us and we find different kinds of uses for them in our social worlds. So what specific problems might a social scientist like you anticipate when digital touch technologies are used in health and care? I think there's a lot of different ethical issues that arise when we think about any kind of technology. So I think it's thinking about issues of privacy. For example, if I there was a device around digital touch that I was going to use with a vulnerable older person, I think they would have to have the rights or the facility to be able to block that touch if they didn't want to experience it. Also, maybe they've got a health condition that means it would be sometimes very uncomfortable or painful to be touched. And that could be like a psychological or a physiological um, health condition. So I think people need to have some control, a lot of control over when and how they're being touched, by whom. So with older people in lots of health contexts, the benefits of touching and stroking have really been shown. And so understanding the kinds of memories that you're evoking with someone and whether or not they're positive and beneficial is very key. You told us about Phil and Julie. Is there a sense that people like them kind of need this kind of technology? Is there that desire there for something like this to help their lives? I think in the care homes particularly, we found that it was the family members that needed this sort of thing, actually. It wasn't necessarily the residents that were suffering from dementia. It was the family members who wanted reassurance that they still had that connection with their loved ones. So one of Professor Dewitt's roles as lead of this research project is to consider the ethical implications of digital touch technologies before or as they are created. Because it's entirely possible that technologies created to try to help a lonely generation might inadvertently lead to further isolation. Uh, what it should not do is is replace the actual physical contact and the physical the need for meeting people on a on a sort of physical one to one basis. We'll look into that more after this short break. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Make space this weekend. Space for films about Chilean romance, plays about millennial angst, and poetry that makes you want to write poetry. 
those new jackfruit superfood samosas? Or not? A writer that's never been written about. The manager you might love and opinions you might not. It's your weekend. Make space to be inspired. Pick up The Guardian and The Observer this weekend. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Before the break, I explored the idea of using digital touch technology to help people with dementia, as presented in a recent interactive exhibition called Remote Contact. We heard from Professor Kerry Jewett of University College London, who highlighted the importance of considering the ethical implications when shaping touch technologies. But we've already seen technologies developed in the name of patient care, and some have raised questions. Hello? Hi, Sethu. It's Jordan from The Guardian. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very good, very good. Professor Setu Vijakumar is the director of Edinburgh University's Centre for Robotics. So, uh, mostly I work with uh, robots of all different kinds. So, wheeled robots, static robots, quadruped robots and humanoid robots. Uh, the main emphasis of our work is applying uh, sort of data science and machine learning techniques for smart control of these kind of robotic platforms. I wanted to know whether older people are comfortable interacting with a robot that has been tasked with their care. It, it is very insightful to see that uh, the adoption of technology and robotics is very culture specific. So Japanese are particularly comfortable with the use of technology for very personal care. The US is, I, th- I would say, a slightly different story. So they're a lot more skeptical about the use of robotics technologies in, in these kind of scenarios. So UK kind of falls somewhere in between. There are other demographics, especially the Southeast Asian countries and, and India, for example, where still the use of these kind of technologies are still not economically viable. So it's very hard to generalize. Um, it, it's very culture specific. It seems like helping vulnerable people, you know, older people and people with illnesses would be one of the main areas that technology would be interested in. Um, I know a lot of people are hopeful that technology can be used for that kind of thing. Can you give me some examples of digital technologies that have been used for care in the past? Uh, more and more, we are looking at what we call smart homes. So uh, these are homes um, where you use sensing and some sort of clever AI and processing to convert those various sensors. Uh, and these sensors could be monitoring human movement. It could be monitoring uh, devices like your you know, microwave ovens or your refrigerators or your televisions. Um, and it is using those multiple sensing modalities to first of all uh, create a pattern um, of um, say everyday behavior uh, in a care home for example and then uh, one of the potential applications would be to try and use this data to detect anomalies so for example if a person is not feeling well uh, you could potentially try and predict things like strokes and and uh, cardiac cardiac arrests and stuff like that so it will give you a supportive capacity to basically make or allow people to do the things that they would not have been able to do uh, without, uh, say, for example, a carer, a physical human carer uh, in their homes. So what kind of ethical issues might there be with those kinds of technologies then? So 
in order to deliver much more customized, much more, um, what I say, personalized care, you need to collect very personalized data. So that reveals a lot about an individual person, uh, whether or not that person is willing um, or, or is actively you know, agreed to give that data out is, is an interesting question. There are, there are some other aspects and more on the sort of soft and social side of things. So if you take some of the technologies and apply it to an everyday situation like um, a conversational agent or you know, a remote touch device or something like that, you may feel that you are interacting much more closely with the person using these remote systems, but that can create a scenario where you will feel less the need for physically traveling to meet a person and interacting with them. And that can be a bad thing from a social perspective. Technology has you know, uh, two sides of the coin and we should always um, make sure that the social and the, the fun aspect of literally uh, meeting somebody, touching hands, hugging them and interacting physically with them does not go away with the digital technology. So the exhibition we talked about in the first half, Remote Contact, explores, as it says, how creative uses of technology might enhance feelings of connection and tackle isolation. Are there any ethical risks to trying to use tech to do that kind of thing? Or maybe is there a risk that uh, focusing on these more creative technologies can distract attention and resources away from other things we should be focusing on when dealing with this kind of thing? So I, I personally believe that the technology can be very powerful to enable a much more immersive um, you know, uh, experience for, for many people. So if you compare uh, the, um, the teleconferencing systems of today to uh, the, the, just the patchy phone systems from 10, 15 years ago, um, we can effectively hold full-fledged interactive meetings with people. Um, and and that, is, that is a good thing. Um, so... I definitely don't think that developing that kind of technology is inherently bad. Uh, what it should not do is is replace the actual physical contact and the physical the need for meeting people on a on a sort of physical one to one basis. If we use the technology with the right level of um, restraint in terms of enhancing current capabilities, I think that is a very good thing. What would you like to see technology bring to the practice of caring for people? So physically, it is getting to a stage where the ratio of carers to people who need the care is becoming completely skewed. So even if we wanted this kind of you know, human touch and human one-on-one uh, -on -one caring scenario, it may not be physically feasible for that to happen just because of the demographics of the way things are going. So one creative and interesting way of using technology would be to use them for doing all the sort of more mundane routine things in a caretaking situation. So it could be beds which cleaned itself or pill dispensing systems, medicine dispensing systems that operate automatically on a routine without having a human. So this would free up um, the time that um, a carer would need for more human, social and cognitive level interactions. Potentially, these people could uh, provide the physical companionship rather than doing the more mundane jobs. Before we sign off this week, let's dive under the sea, off the coast of Orkney, 
where Microsoft has just sunk a big white cylinder containing several of its computers. This data centre has been submerged in the name of energy efficiency, for which the Orkney Islands are renowned. The theory is that keeping the data centre underwater will prove a cheaper way to keep those computers cool, cutting down on energy costs. Hopefully, none of them break while they're down there. I'd like to thank Professor Kerry Jewett of UCL and Professor Setu Vijakumar of Edinburgh University for joining me this week. Special thanks to Catherine Baxendale of Invisible Flock for taking me on a tour of the Remote Contact exhibition. There will be links to the InTouch research project led by Professor Jewett and the Centre for Robotics at Edinburgh University in this week's episode description on the Guardian website. You'll also find a link to the UCL Festival of Culture 2018, which featured the Remote Contact exhibition, alongside events on everything from sex and migration to medieval dogs. I also want to hear from you. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics for future shows, drop me a line at chipspodcast at theguardian.com. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.